the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Danny Cannell. I'm Chip Patterson. Come to you live at youtube.com slash cover3 and all across that 24-7 sports Facebook network. If you're listening to us on the audio format, thank you so much. And there's an interesting opportunity for you to jump in and be a part of a future mailbag episode. You can do that by leaving us a five-star review. And in that review, put your question. We will add it to the big old bag of mail and tackle it in a future mailbag episodes. We've been knocking them out on Thursdays. We'll probably continue to do that uh, here for the next several weeks before we start to really gear up for the season ahead. What's coming here in the season ahead? Well, yes, I hear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the win totals are starting to creep out and the win totals here on the Cover 3 podcast, still a couple weeks away, but we will be digging into that soon. But this, this right now is draft season. Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, we've been doing this several years, right? We go through... Mm -hmm. We, we draft uh, our quarterbacks. We draft our, our pass catchers, our wide receivers. Uh, you know, we draft the running backs. We do the Oklahoma. Oh, that's part of the Oklahoma drill draft where we do mm-hmm. offensive linemen, defensive linemen, and running backs. And at the end of this, we're even going to draft a coaching staff. So I, I think that this is a, this is an important time. Any, Tom, Danny, any, any sort of clarifying comments that we need to make for the audience or any new uh, audience members that might be here for this process? Uh, I think we should explain that we're not drafting like our roster quarterback rooms where we're going to want a guy who started our starter and then a backup and then guys for the future. We are just drafting who we think are the best quarterbacks in college in 2022. And so like if we came back to this January 1st or whatever, after the season's ended, we would want to be like who had the four best dudes like just everything right like we're looking for that we're looking for our best guys to have the best season this year and my thought is that with the current like weight freedom of movement you know the the transfer portal with the way it is the one-time transfer waiver you know if you get somebody for the future there's no guarantee that he's even still going to be at that same school moving forward so you know we're just trying to do this same way that college football coaches are load up for this year and we'll figure out the the next year later uh let's here's the draft order we will be going tom then bud who uh right now is on his way back from a recruiting camp he his selections uh will be made by uh producer voice of god yeah producer (laughs) who will chime in here and uh and give you from his draft board then uh we got chip in the three hole danny at the swing spot at four we're doing four rounds to put together this room and uh and let's have some fun talking about the best quarterbacks in all of college football tom fernelli you're on the clock first overall pick first of all i'm trying to figure out when the last time i had the first pick in any of our drafts was (laughs) well you lose for alphabetical order yeah, and uh, what what do we sometimes also use? The Bud normally gets one if we do the locks record. Bud's always offering like trades, like he's trying to trade you a second rounder and a third rounder for your first rounder. Yeah, Tom, we yeah. use best looking for this one. That's how you got the first. Aww, <laughs> Can't argue with that. Um, no, I I'm, I'm excited to have the first one because. I honestly thought if I was second or third, I might still get this guy. I doubt it, but there was a chance. But now I know I get him. I'm taking my favorite quarterback in the country. I'm taking the guy that I think will be the number one pick in the draft next year, or at least the first quarterback taken in the draft next year. I'm taking Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud. 
I think that if obviously we know the talent of the player, but also when you look at the offense that he's going to be on and the guys he has to throw to the run game that Ohio State has, he's going to be on one of the best teams in the country. They're going to score a lot of points every single week. He's going to put up great numbers. He's got a very good shot at winning the Heisman at the end of the year. For me, I think there are two guys you could take at number one. And I'm guessing the other guy will go at number two when Coca drafts for Bud. But for me, Stroud was the number one choice. Same for you, Danny. You think CJ Stroud, QB one, uh, uh, when we're going into 2022? Yeah. And I think at the end of the year, too, if you look statistically, combo with winning, like I'm really at a toss up over who I'm going to pick to win it all next year, but it's probably going to be either Alabama or Ohio State. But I think statistically, I think CJ, with the weapons he's working with, will have a more prolific season. There's so, yeah, so- he would be up there. Yeah, I mean, there's less unknown. We are expecting for some plug and play for Alabama's wide receivers and Alabama's skill players, but that is still much less proven than what we just saw in the Rose Bowl with Jackson Smith and Jigba and what we know from the flashes we've seen from the rest of those wide receivers. We're talking about an extremely high level of talent in this whole top tier of quarterbacks, but C.J. Stroud also was uh, number one on my big board. Uh, I I pr- I'm trying not to make sure that I'm not just, you know, bored with Bryce Young. But if we're really projecting, you know, moving forward, I, I do think that Stroud, uh, given more knowns than unknowns, I think gets the edge there. I also think like Stroud is like Alabama's offensive line last year was not great. They they gave up a lot of sacks. They were not the best. You know, I can't remember what the, where they ranked, but like the sack rate allowed and all that kind of stuff. It wasn't what you typically expect from Alabama. And I think Ohio state's going to have a better line. And I also think that when it comes to quarterbacks, possibly taking hits, like you compare Stroud, it's not like Stroud's some big beefy dude, but Bryce young is a small guy. And you, I I'm always in fear. Like every time I see Bryce young get hit, I'm afraid. Oh crap. That's going to knock him out for four to six weeks. You know what I mean? So it's yeah, so it's Bryce me, young. Yeah. So <laughs> I just think Stroud is more, I, I wouldn't call him sturdy, but I think he's sturdier. Yeah. All right, uh, Coca, what's uh, what's Bud's selection going to be here at number two in the first round? I don't know if I should just go crazy here and just mess <laughs> up the entire board or just he didn't give me any real instructions. He just gave me a list of names. So. <laughs> I would hope one of these. <laughs> he's driving. He's steering with one hand and he's typing out his phone, his list with the other. Yeah, he's like praying right now that I just go, you know, top to bottom on this list. So if, if that's the case, he's not going to take the guy that I would take, <laughs> but he's going to go with Bryce Young. All right. Yeah, that's what I figured. I want to know who Coca would take. Yeah, me too. Who would you take? JT Daniels? (laughs) No, not JT. If I had the second overall pick, I would have taken Caleb Williams just based off of talent around him um, and, you know, just the incoming transfers that they got alongside him. I think he has a bigger upside than Bryce Young does just based off of surrounding wide receiver talent. Hmm. But, Bryce Young is the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. And, okay. and, you know, in some of those moments down the stretch, you know, the injury issues that they had at wide receiver, the offensive line that, as you mentioned, was not great. I mean, he had, the, what was it, the Auburn, Auburn game kind of built the comeback and winning the Auburn game laid the foundation. But what he did to Georgia's defense won him the Heisman Trophy. You know, that was some big time put the team on my back type stuff from Bryce Young. And I, I kind of think that the the only argument against Bryce Young, there's stronger arguments against Bryce Young for the Heisman conversation, like when we talk about best bets, when we talk about um, your odds to win or making those picks as we will do in July and August. But if we're just talking about this conversation, who are the best quarterbacks in all of college football? Like, of course, Bryce Young deserves a spot right there. I have confidence that he might have a Lamar-like season. We talked about that before, how Lamar's statistics the year after he won the Heisman were comparable and in some cases even a little bit better than the year before. He ends up as a Heisman finalist, never really has a a shot to win the award that year, but a lot of people uh, have always circled that as an example of like, look, he was just as good, if not better. It was just never going to win the award. I could see another like Lamar Jackson 2017 type season from Bryce Young, where he's just as productive, just as dominant, 
he he's just never going to have a shot to win just because of the boredom of the Heisman electorate. Yeah, and plus it's failing to live up to unrealistic expectations that we placed on him just based on the way he played last year. Where it's like, oh, he's still only really awesome. <laughs> you think Bryce Young's going to be just as productive, Danny? Yeah, I think he will, but I don't think he'll win it again. Yeah, you know, I think, and I think this team might be a little more defense, defensive, um, because we haven't seen a Bama defense be dominant. But I think we're going to talk a lot about Will Anderson Jr. Like I, I don't know. I feel like the defense might be the one that kind of is the storyline for why this team is different than the years past. I also wonder too, like with the Alabama offense, like we know that Jameer Gibbs is transferred in from Georgia Tech, and he's not like a bell cow workhorse kind of running back, but. Brian Robinson was more of your kind of, you know, just he was he was your workhorse. He wasn't like the most dynamic player. I'm wondering if we might see with the Alabama's running backs this year a little like they're still going to be a pass heavy team because they have Bryce Young. But I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see them running a bit more and having more big plays on the ground that maybe take away some of his overall passing numbers. Love this from our good friend Short Round. You know, when a Cobra raises itself up to strike and it's bobbing and weaving, that's how Bryce Young moves. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when he's out there making it uh, making it happen in the open field, like, uh, are Tom and I terrified? Yes. Yes. We are very terrified about this small man in the open field against SEC defenders, but uh, he certainly has been very effective. All right. That is That brings us to round one, pick three. That's mine. And... I, I didn't want to jump on it right away um, because, Coca, I, I do agree with you that I am going to take Caleb Williams because I think that Caleb Williams is going to have an absolute juggernaut of a season. That his ability to make plays on the run, the tempo that that Trojans offense is going to play with, and the fact that there's just so much talent at wide receiver, um, that they've loaded up at running back as well. I just think that he is going to have uh, a huge responsibility, one of those total offense type responsibilities that are going to allow him to put up ridiculous numbers. And of course, with the Lincoln Riley USC system, uh, really have a shot to, to be one of the best quarterbacks in all of college football. Will he win the Heisman Trophy? I don't know. I could probably see him taking a loss. You know, like having Caleb Williams has a clunker in him, right? When, yes. Is that clunker? Is that clunker going to come against Kansas. Stanford? Is, it, <laughs> is that clunker going to be against a team that uh, otherwise USC is going to be able to find a way to win? Or is that clunker going to be in one of the biggest games of the season? One of the games that will determine whether or not USC is a college football playoff contender. He is not a perfect quarterback. I do not expect him to be a perfect quarterback. But in terms of ceiling, he's he's right up there with both the quarterbacks that we've got so far. So give me Caleb Williams, clunker and all. I think the season-end totals will represent him being one of the top three quarterbacks in the sport. Now, when you say you agree with Coca, do you mean you would have taken him over Young too? Yeah, but it's I've, I didn't know where I was going to fall. It's C.J. Stroud, Caleb Williams, Bryce Young, I'm going to mute my f- number four, but that's the, my top three names on my big board in that order. I see. I'm, I'm surprised that because I, I'm sure you guys saw this. I was looking up these articles, David Hale's piece. He did the tiers. I think CJ Stroud and Bryce Young are in a tier by themselves. I would not put Caleb Williams in there yet. Now, made, now if you're projecting, I'm totally fine with that. If you say, you know what, after this year, the weapons he's working with, I think he's going to be there. But I wouldn't put him there yet. I think there's a clear-cut one and two, and I think Caleb Williams is a strong three. That's why I was looking at this four. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get to pick somebody not named those three because I kind of knew exactly the top three were going to be, which I guess maybe then they are their own tier, I guess. But I still feel like C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young are in a, in a category by themselves. Yeah, I, I wouldn't take Caleb over Bryce or C.J. Yeah. I think he's really good, but I think that those two are just kind of firmly established. Well, the sample size is smaller, and the sample, even the smaller sample size, has some head scratching stuff. Mm-hmm. You're, re- you are, I am, really banking on development, and yes. like that. This fall, we will see an even better Caleb Williams than what we saw this past year. And also, he's going into a situation where he knows he's the starter, whereas last year, like he was 
a highly touted incoming recruit, but Spencer Rattler was still there and people still had really high expectations for Rattler. So it's not like he was getting all the snaps with the first team in the spring and over the summer and heading into camp. So he kind of got thrown into the situation. So maybe now that he's at USC, he's the clear number one. We see that kind of leap forward from him. All right, Danny, round one, pick number four. What's it going to be? I got the whole country to select from. Uh, By the way, I think... uh, Jerry asked and said Caleb Williams wasn't draft eligible until 2024. So we're not doing a mock draft. We're doing a draft just for our guys who we mm-hmm. like for right. this season only. Just to clarify that uh, as Jerry was listening in. All right. The ACC Conference of Quarterbacks, baby. I got – I there. Are, so I got – I'm. it's snake, right? Just I got two. two. Yeah, take I mean, two. I mean – just give me the top two and whatever. I'll go Devin Leary because he's played more. A little bit concerned that he plays and has to play against Clemson. They beat him last year. Can he do it again? But 35 touchdowns, five interceptions, 65% completion percentage. He's played a little bit more football than my fifth overall pick. Um, so I'll go ahead and take Devin Leary as my fourth selection. And then with my fifth selection... I, I'm starting to buy the high. I already buy. I, I liked him a lot. I'll go TBD. Yes. Give me Tyler Van Dyke. Um, spring game was solid again. Like he built, I think the thing that's crazy. If Manny Diaz would have started in week one, I think Manny Diaz might still be the coach yeah. at Miami, which is kind of crazy. I think he's that good. I think he's, I think he's what Miami has been missing their schedule. The fact that they're not um, in the Atlantic, they're in the Coastal. I think they could win the division. Their schedule is very manageable. They do have to go to College Station. But other than that, you could see the Miami Hurricanes having a massive year led by their quarterback. I'll take Tyler Van Dyke. I think he's got a chance to be the best quarterback in the ACC. I like Devin Leary because he's a little bit more experienced. I took him above him. But I'm buying into the Miami hype, and I'm going to go ahead and buy the hype on the Miami QB as well. All right, so we are five picks into this draft, and I want to read to you guys what the top five QBs on my board were. Number one was C.J. Stroud. Number two was Bryce Young. Three was Caleb Williams. Four was Devin Leary. Five was Tyler Van Dyke. <laughs> oh, let's go. <laughs> and that's the exact order that we've had taken so far. Oh, I thought you. I'm sitting there. I'm looking at my board. I'm like, I'm gonna. I had him there. I'm like, I think those guys might come back to me in the second round. <laughs> no way. You're an ACC guy, right? I here. thought I would. I thought I would get like one of them though. Like I figured there's there's a couple other names I thought might be higher on other people's boards than mine apparently, but I guess not. So. Tyler Van Dyke, what is the Josh Gaddis influence or expectations with Gaddis uh, coming in and taking over that offense? Because cl- the hire of Gaddis, as we mentioned before, is something that we have as a, a plus value sign on Mario Cristobal, plus value sign on Miami football. So like from a football perspective, based on what we've seen from him in his limited time as an offensive coordinator, where he's been very successful, you know, what do we think that is going to be ahead? Because... Tyler Van Dyke also had a very good offensive coordinator last year helping with that offense, who's now the head coach at SMU in Rhett Lashley. Mm-hmm. So what do we think will happen there for TBD? That's probably one of my bigger concerns is learning another system. You know, learning another coach, learning another system, learning. I don't know what they'll do with the terminology. They'll probably make Josh Gaddis learn some of their terminology so that the coach is doing more of the work. But the concepts and the schemes – will be clearly uh, Josh Gaddis's, you know, uh, handprints all over this offense. So that actually is a concern of mine for Tyler Van Dyke. I just look at a quarterback who came in, learned this system last year pretty quickly, and just the raw physical skill set. And again, the spring game, he looked like he was strong. And you know what else was strong was their backup. I mean, the offense just looks like it's in really good hands um, there. So I think I'd be curious, uh, t- curious to see what – Mario does. Does he let Josh Gaddish just have rain or does he get over there and say, hey, let's run the ball a little more. Let's be a little more conservative, you know, and go kind of that Nick Saban philosophy of, you know, let's just play physical, dominate the line of scrimmage. But I think they realize they have somebody special and they want to utilize them. Yeah, I, I, that is my, honestly, that is one kind of concern I have because we saw how Mario treated Justin Herbert when he was at Oregon. And I feel like I, I'm scared that we have another Justin Herbert situation where he's got that Ferrari in the garage, but he refuses to do more than the speed limit when he takes it out. And I, because I think Van Dyke is somebody who he's, he's got good accuracy on the short and intermediate stuff. And I think that 
what Gaddis did a lot of at Michigan, I think we'll probably still see a lot of that, but I want to see him pushing the ball vertically because I think he has a very good arm to do that, particularly between the numbers deep over the middle. He showed a lot, he showed good touch and I think kind of zip on the ball in a lot of those throws last year. So I'm hoping we see some more vertical element to Miami's passing attack. But I think last year we didn't see as much of it simply because they didn't really have the personnel for it. So I don't know. We're going to, it's going to be interesting to watch. Tyler Van Dyke will get uh, early in the season and a very, very tough challenge for that entire offense as they go up against Texas A&M and that Texas A&M defense. It will it'll be it'll show us a lot about some of these questions that we've got in terms of, you know, how this Miami offense will run under new leadership, both at the coordinator and head coaching level, but with the AC, the reigning ACC offensive rookie of the year uh, at quarterback. So you mentioned that your top five has been exactly in order. And I will say that out of the five, it is five of the top seven on my board. So we're, we're, we're obviously very much in agreement on, on what this top tier is. But as I look at my second round pick, um, I, I'm going to find myself again. Like I'm not even going a small sample size here. I don't have much for sample size at all. I've got nothing but hype, <laughs> potential, and beautiful, beautiful hair. Just a flow unlike anything else. All gas, no breaks. Give me Quinn Ewers as my second round pick. I had him number four on my board. And 100%, I realized that I am setting myself up to have my heart broken if for whatever reason they announce Hudson Card as the starting quarterback <laughs> for, uh, for the start of the season with, you know, Ewers maybe as the break, break glass in case of emergency type quarterback for later. Who knows? But I think that especially with the way that that offense is set up, uh, the, the way that they've got, you know, Worthy on one side, Isaiah Neor on the other, it does seem – like this is a Texas offense that with Ewers at the helm could really be explosive in my, you know, 100 day countdown. I we had to make some bold predictions. And one of my bold predictions was that Quinn Ewers would win the Heisman Trophy. I would not bet that, but we had to make some bold predictions. And if you were looking for somebody a little bit further down the board who I think could be a part of that, he doesn't even need to have Texas competing for a national championship. I think Texas even being in the mix for the playoff, being in the mix for the Big 12 championship, if he is the face of it and if he is putting up ridiculous numbers, that was sort of backing it up. But at the core of all of this is my evaluation that he is a very, very talented prospect who is going to be in a very quarterback-friendly environment with great weapons. Uh, and I think that Quinn Ewers, with the uh, the amazing flow as the, uh, the icing on top, uh, I think that he is probably going to end up at least as one of the top seven quarterbacks in all of college football. I don't hate the pick. I think it's a risky pick, though. Like, there, there's a lot I like about Ewers. So we haven't really seen him in action to really judge off of that. But he's got a very good arm. And as you mentioned, I think that with Sark as his coach, like the one thing Sark did with Mac Jones to Alabama the year Mac was a starter that – kind of got Mac selected in the first round was he does a great job of getting his quarterbacks easy throws based on his play calls. Just just the nice easy throws to make to help get him in rhythm and get going. And then they take shots. So I think we're going to see that. But my problem with Ewers is I've gone over here before is I think there's a whole lot that needs to be cleaned up to his game because I don't want to go all old man here and like kind of like going back when you know Steph Curry is rooting the NBA by shooting threes. But Patrick Mahomes Patrick Mahomes is ruining quarterbacks by being amazing because now all these kids are just trying to throw off platform instead of setting their feet and actually throwing the football. And I worry that we don't like when he gets in a pocket, he's just got to take a quick couple step drop and fire to like a slant or whatever. I don't know if he's going to have I don't know how accurate he's going to be on those throws because he throws everything 100 miles an hour and he's never got his feet set. So. That's what I'm going to be concerned about. That's the one thing I think Sark needs to iron out. But I do think I trust that Sark will be able to do it because, like I said, he did wonders for Mac Jones, helping get him to the NFL. I totally agree with you on the footwork. And I, I get people, you know, a lot of times people send me videos of their, you know, high school kid or some watch this kid on and or, you know, seeing some of the Elite 11 highlights that come out. Every kid's like, like, you know, trying no look passes, just flip it sideways over here. It's uh, it, is, it, it has to be cleaned up. I'm at the combine. It was embarrassing how bad some of the footwork was mm-hmm. for quarterbacks trying to get to the NFL. The thing I'm worried about, or I guess I shouldn't say worried about, if you're Sark, 
because you know you see this competition is pretty close. Who's going to be the starting quarterback? Do you hold him out and wait till week three after Alabama? Yeah, I'm, I would consider it. I don't know because I I think you saw that happen with DJ uh, U last year. Like he started against Georgia, rough game, which everyone would have, but he had mm-hmm. the pick six, which kind of cost him, and he never really recovered. Now maybe that's a bigger sign of you know, worry for Clemson. Like if you're a a stud, like you don't worry about one bad game, but I do worry about that for young quarterbacks getting shellacked and just shell shocked from a team like Alabama. So I'm curious to see what Sark does with that. So week one, they will both get to play no matter who gets the starting nod because it's ULM. Mm -hmm. And so that like maybe Hudson card is the the starter for ULM, but we know that yours is going to get maybe even a whole half worth of work and then how he performs there could end up setting the tone for what happens in the in the Alabama game. I I think that with Caleb Williams and uh Quinn Ewers, I'm I'm all fun, no fundamentals on my like we're all very, very raw. We're just just out there playing some uh some backyard football right there. All right, that brings us to the third pick of the second round. That belongs to Bud who has stopped in a Bucky's at this point and is uh, getting himself a snack on the way home. Uh, Producer Coca, what is Bud's pick going to be? All right. We head to the SEC for this selection. Stetson Bennett. Uh, That that was going to be the joke, but it is not Stetson Bennett. This quarterback was second in completion percentage, second in yards per attempt, first in quarterback rating and a 31 touchdown to three interception ratio. This quarterback is from Tennessee. Take my guy. Hooker. Yes. Mm-hmm. Aggressive. I like it. You know, I had him in the Heisman draft as a long shot. I think it's a solid pick. I thought he would be down. I thought he would drop possibly to me, but good on Bud for scooping him up. No, that's a good pick. I like it. I I, th- I think that he's in the right o- kind of offense too because I think Josh Heupel has always done a good job of like if we're if we're gonna grade this at the end of the year just based on the numbers that these guys put up I feel like that's a very solid second round pick for Bud because he's gonna put up numbers in that offense I don't know how good we talked about this last week I don't know how good Tennessee is going to be Tennessee might still be a seven and five team a six and six team but they're gonna score a whole lot of points and he's gonna be responsible for a lot of it so I think that's a solid second round pick. I think Hendon Hooker is enough of a game changer that it might be a seven and five team, but he's if he's healthy and he plays the entire season, I tell you what they won't be is five and seven. Like he is good enough that I think that he raises the floor. And it's so tough to raise the ceiling when you're playing in the SEC with Tennessee's schedule that's always going to include Alabama. But I do think that um let's see, I had him one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I had him eight uh, tied for eighth on my big board right now. So this is definitely a, a fair point for, uh, for Hendon hooker to land. All right, Tom, back to you. All right. Uh, well, the six and seven guys are still on my board. So that's who I'm going to take with, with my second pick, the eighth pick of the draft. Uh, I'm taking the guy who replaced the third pick at Oklahoma, who used to play for the guy coaching the seventh pick. Now at Tennessee, I'm taking Dylan Gabriel, who I think is going to step into Oklahoma. And I think the offense is going to look a little different. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. Not exactly the same, but it might look more like the year with Jalen Hurts than it did with Caleb Williams or Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield. Because I think that Dylan Gabriel is tremendously accurate on short throws. And he's got great accuracy deep when he's throwing down the left. To the right downfield, not so much. He is a lefty, so when he comes across body, it's not really there. But I do think that that he's still going to be in a very good offense, an explosive offense, one of the better offenses in the Big Twelve. Now it does remain to be seen how that offense is going to look with you know a defensive coach running things and being in charge. Maybe they suddenly decide to get more conservative, considering Oklahoma's history. I doubt it. So. I think he's going to still put up big numbers. I really think this is a solid pick there. And then for my first pick of the third round, I'm taking a guy who is going to put up numbers. He comes from the conference of quarterbacks. He plays for a team that is always overlooked. Taking Sam Hartman. I I mean, if you... If you look at what he did last year, like he put up numbers and this is a team that defensively 
is not great. And Wake Forest, because of that, finds itself in a whole lot of shootouty type games in which they look for Sam Hartman to kind of bail them out. And he's he's similar to Gabriel in that he's much more accurate on shorter throws and you really can't like, but Gabriel, I think, is better downfield and Hartman's not really the kind of guy you want chucking the ball, you know, 20 yards downfield for deep threats. But that's really not what Wake Forest tries to do anyway. So I think when you combine that with you combine his ability with his legs where I wouldn't call him a scrambler, but he's mobile enough to hurt you. I think that I've got two solid picks here. Hmm. <laughs> What's your Sam Hartman read, Danny? No, I'm, I'm pissed because I had both these guys on my board, and they both, I thought I thought they would definitely drop to me, so I'm kind of pissed about that. Because <laughs> I totally like Dylan Gabriel. I think is totally getting overlooked. He's reuniting with Jeff Levy, as you mentioned. Um, and if you go back to look at his freshman year, I love the way the ball just jumps off his hand. I think he's solid. And Sam Hartman, I think, has been probably like Devin Leary. I think was the most under talked about quarterback in the country. And I think Sam Hartman would be like a one A one B. And Somebody he threw, won a he threw 39 touchdowns last year. You know, it's yeah. like, like it puts up numbers. Absolutely. That's they a, lose, it. They lose wide receivers every year and just can, like A.T. Perry's the next one up. You know, they, they just continue. Uh, Wake, Wake doesn't rebuild. It reloads. They, it's true. <laughs> it it took, is. It took them three years of go, of like building out the process where – we're going to redshirt a lot of guys. We're going to build out this program. You're going to you know, work your way up into being a starter. It's like the get old, stay old mentality. And they've been able to hold it together even as you know the transfer portal continues to pick up steam. You know, Kenneth Walker, a very high-profile exit from Wake Forest. Obviously, the success that he had at Michigan State made that very notable. But at the same time, for the most part, it feels like the continuity that Wake Forest is able to have is something that uh, is very, very impressive in, in this current era of always wanting to get out, always wanting to go and look for other opportunities. Sam Hartman has uh, Sam Hartman's got a chance to be very, 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 very productive. And Tom, you were talking about the way we grade this at the end of the year. I don't think it's all numbers. It's like some sliding scale of numbers mm-hmm. and team success, right? And Wake Forest is still going to be a bowl team. Wake Forest is still going to be have one of the most productive offenses in the in the ACC. Uh, so I uh, I definitely definitely get why Sam Hartman's going to show up right there. The I, I also read the uh, the David Hale um, tears piece. It was very good. Shout out to David. He's a friend. The he his knock on Hartman has been performance in big games, which made me remember uh, the Mayo Bowl. The the Mayo Bowl against Wisconsin, where he couldn't stop throwing to Wisconsin. It was the it was the yips like he didn't understand it at all. And then uh, he had the couple of picks in the game against Pitt in the ACC championship game that kind of flipped it. It's crazy. He's takes care of the ball at a very high level. But then every now and then just snaps. It's wild. It's like, yeah, his his bad games go bad quick. Yeah. Which, you know, from the uninvested, unbiased viewer, a little funny. I mean, I don't root for anyone to not have success, but it's just, just wild. Yeah, as long as it doesn't happen on the day you bet on Wake, you don't really care. Right. <laughs> but yeah, but then throw that man out against Army's defense. And it's like, that's when the long ball is green light go for Sam Hartman, is mm-hmm. when the cornerbacks are, are from the United States Military Academy. <laughs> and we know that we can just chuck it up there, dog, and be able to let your wide receivers go and run under it. Well, we have so far working our, worked our way nine picks through the 2022 Cover 3 quarterback draft. We will continue with more round three action next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Keeping things moving here on the Cover 3 quarterback draft. Uh, so far, if you are watching along on YouTube.com slash Cover 3 or on the 24-7 Sports Facebook page, you can see it right there on your screen. Tom has selected C.J. Stroud in the first round, Dylan Gabriel from Oklahoma in the second, Sam Hartman from Wake Forest in the third. Bud, who is picking uh, from the highway right now, via producer Coca, has Bryce Young in the first, Hendon Hooker from Tennessee in the second. He is on the clock. I have selected Caleb Williams from USC in the first, Quinn Ewers from Texas in the second, and Danny has the ACC boys with Devin Leary from NC State in the first, Tyler Van Dyke in the second. So, Coca, who is Bud selecting with his third round pick? All right, to make this pick, I just ripped four shots of tequila, ate the worm, and fives are starting to look like tens. So we're going to take the number six quarterback on Bud's big board, and that would be the sicko mode quarterback, Brennan Armstrong. Wow. Gross. Interesting. See, we talked about this a little last week in the mailbag, I think it was, because we got asked a question about why Armstrong wasn't in our, our list from you know guys who could be the next Kenny Pickett or whatever. But it's a it's a risky pick to be because I think Armstrong had a great season last year in an offense that was like kind of like Sam Hartman at Wake was paired with a very bad defense that gave up a lot of points, therefore forcing them to score a lot of points. But like we've got a new offensive coordinator, we've got an entire new coaching staff in there, we've got an entire new offense. And I think Brendan Armstrong is talented. I just don't know if he's the kind of plug and play guy that I expect to put up those video game numbers again. But apparently Bud does. Hmm. I I mean, guy's got tools. He did lead the country last year in a lot of categories, but mm-hmm. man, I thought that was a lot of the offense. But We'll see. I mean, it's not like they're going to just hand off every time either with Tony Elliott. So we'll see what it goes with. I don't love the pick. <laughs> Among, uh, yeah, 30, 31, picks, 31 touchdowns is the least among quarterbacks who averaged 45 or more attempts per game. There's only three in that group. It would be Will Rogers from Mississippi State, Bailey Zappi from Western Kentucky, and Brennan Armstrong. 31 touchdowns is the least. Uh, 10 interceptions, the second most. His passer rating was about middle of the road for that group. You know, average 404 yards, but only at 8.9 yards per attempt. As you mentioned, about 4,500 passing yards. I think that Brennan Armstrong is very, very good, but I think there are quarterbacks that are left available who are going to be competing for conference championships. You know, there, there are quarterbacks left available that are going to have uh, you know, nine, 10 win type seasons. And I have uh, Brendan Armstrong's very, very good. This is a this is quite a quite a sicko mode play here from our, our good friend Bud. Very, very on brand to uh, to dig in and, and take Brendan Armstrong. Well, right let here. me just go through his his top eight so you can sort of see where he was with this. He had Stroud one, Young two, Williams three, Leary four, Hooker five, Armstrong six, Ewer seven, and Van Dyke eight. Hmm. Bud's wild now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, was Brennan Armstrong on y'all's board? Did yes. No. Okay. I had him like, I think he's top 15. I didn't go that deep. I had him at 13 on my board. I have a not list. That, <laughs> <laughs> I want to know that list. Oh, I don't. You got to have some game theory here. for it. Yeah. Some, <laughs> hey, listen. There's one quarterback. We'll see if somebody fell for it, but there's one quarterback out there that I do want to discuss before we get out of here. Uh, We'll see if somebody ends up taking him. Okay, so Brennan Armstrong in the third round to Bud. That moves it to me, and I am so excited that I get the opportunity to uh, jump on this because I had him at six on my board. Um, One of our favorite quarterbacks... 
didn't really play out the way. One of our favorite stories, one of our favorite conversations going into last season was a quarterback who had an absolutely perfect spring game. And it diluted all of us. It had us thinking the entirely wrong uh, opinions about the quarterback room for the Utah Utes. But when Cam Rising took over, oh boy, the offense took off. I'm sorry, Charlie Brewer, but you're 15 for 15. It even had the coaching staff uh, thinking that the wrong guy should be in there. But Cam Rising, uh, you know, tra- obviously transfer from Texas, nine and two as a starter down the close of the season. And one of those losses was in the shootout to Ohio State, where before he got injured, he was playing absolutely well enough to be able to beat most teams who don't have CJ Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba out there. I think that Cam Wright, if you're confident, if you are confident in Utah to compete for a Pac-12 title, uh, to be the best challenger to USC and Oregon, who both are going through coaching changes, a big part of why you're confident in Utah isn't just your standard issue, Kyle Whittingham, this team can win nine games. It's like, no, this is the Kyle Whittingham team with a real game changer at quarterback. Uh, big fan of him. And, uh, and just shout out to all the cams out there. You know, just gotta gotta go ahead and throw that one. So uh, I'll go Cam Rising uh, here in the third round. Dang it! <laughs> I had him right there. He was on my board. I thought he was. I think that's a good value pick. Um, a little curious to see like a whole full body of work how it goes. Like now everyone's talking about you, but he's got good surroundings, good culture. Like I think he's. I I he, I had him on my board for a reason. Yeah, I only had one player left on my board ranked higher than rising at that point. So that's a pretty solid pick to me. And I do think that, you know, if you look like you've got Caleb Williams, so you've got USC's quarterback. I think if there is a genuine threat to USC or, you know, not even a threat, I think that the one team that USC has got to get through because I think they're playing in Salt Lake this year. It's going to be Cam Rising in Utah. So we saw what he was able to do last year. He's still going to be on a good team this year. He's got the benefit of playing with a team that's going to have a solid defense because they always do. They have a solid run game. He's got all the complementary pieces around him that you would want for a quarterback to be able to flourish. So I think that's a great pick at this point. Which brings us to Danny at the turn. The last Danny so far has Devin Leary and Tyler Van Dyke. Now it's time for the last pick of round number three and the first pick of round number four. All right. Now we get to have some fun. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go. See, I'm torn. There's one I just can't. I can't go. I can't pick. But I'm going to go with this one. Hasn't played a lot of football. But when he did play on the biggest stage possibly out there for this program, in the Big 12 championship game, played pretty good. I'm going to go Blake Shapin. How many coaches are so confident that they name their starter after the spring, even when you have a guy that's competing with that played 10 games for you and started almost your entire season? You're like, nope, we've seen enough. Blake Shapin, you're our guy. Jeff Grimes, I think, is one of the more underrated coordinators in the country. We saw what he did to Zach Wilson at BYU. Another year there at Baylor, which I think, you know, we saw one year what he was able to do with. Now he's got a quarterback who had three touchdowns in that Big 12 championship. Two before that, he was perfect on the year. Five touchdowns, zero interceptions. Not a whole lot of work there. I actually, so I'll tell you the options I was going with when we're done with the whole draft. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and take Blake Shimbin. I was a little bit worried about Baylor's win total. It's at eight, I see. You know, eight, eight ish. I, I need him to top, have. Uh, that's still one of the top three or four teams. In yeah, the in the Big 12. 12. So, like, things shake out. They could still, you know, get a couple games to go their way. So, I'm going to go Blake Shapin, my pick right there. You know, it is it is a small sample size. So, there's a lot. There's some mystery there. But what I like about Blake Shapin is I'm looking at the numbers here, breaking it down. On passes of at least 11 air yards. So, you know, past what would be on a first and 10, past the first down marker. 14 to 21 you don't see i mean again that's a small sample size because he didn't play a lot but you don't see a lot of quarterbacks at the college level who are completing two-thirds of their passes more than 10 yards down the field because with like the rpo offenses that we've seen there's so many kind of short quick passes and then deep shots and he seems to be pretty consistent pushing the ball down the field to receivers and getting the ball there in time beating defenders so 
I do think that when you look at numbers like that, if he's able to like, he's not going to do 67% all season if he's a starter all year, but if he's able to keep like that kind of 55 to 60%, he's going to have a huge season. All right. Keep it rolling back to back. Yeah. I kind of have a question, but I have a feeling you guys are going to crush me for it. <laughs> then ask it. Then ask it. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going back to the conference of quarterbacks. Right. I want a Clemson quarterback. Oh, you cannot say Clemson QB. No, 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 no. You have to declare. Which I, one just want, I wouldn't I just hate want on Cade. Quarterback is what I want. I want no. Clemson quarterback in there. You can't. I can't do it. No. No. You got to pick right. one of them. I'm gonna say. Uh, Bud had a sicko pick. I'll go ahead with one as well. I'll go ahead and take Cade Klubnik, the the younger guy that's pressuring DJU. I really feel like DJ would have been benched last year had they had an option. I think they have a viable option now. When this plays out, though, like I don't, is there a game on their schedule where you could see a, you know, there's our opportunity, or are you just going to hand the reins to click? I, that's the one thing. Dabo is loyal. You know, I could see DJ you coming out fine against Georgia Tech, Furman, Louisiana Tech, and Wake. Maybe like I don't. I just look for that game where you would make that switch. I don't I'll go ahead and take Cade Club. I'll stick by it in the hopes that at the end of the season, because I think I think the offensive line is going to be better. I think they found their back in Shipley. I just think there's a little freshness around their defense still going to be good. They're still going to be playing for the ACC championship, probably. So I'll take Cade Club Nick. So the point in the schedule where it could get dicey is this two-week run because NC State, who beat them last year, is going to Death Valley on October 1st. Mm -hmm. NC State, we think, is going to be very good. That will be a challenging game, um, one to prepare for. Even if Clemson were to win the game you know, by a respectable score, it's not going to be easy. Like that, there's just no way that that is going up against that NC State defense with all the experience back. If everybody's healthy, any quarterback is going to have a little bit of trouble. But then, the very next week, they go up to Chestnut Hill. Oh, Chestnut Hill, it's so tough. That to, Sometimes you got to generate your own juice. But what if the juice that they're bringing in is extra? Because you know what Boston College has already announced? That October 8th, when Clemson comes to town, Red Bandana. Bandana. Oh, yeah. boy. Uh -huh. So Clemson's got to beat NC State, which beat them last year, then go play the Red Bandana game. And Boston College, by the way, has two losses to Clemson, each of them by six points. They've been right there in both of those games. We remember DJ's big comeback in 2020, uh, and then last year, Clemson's own offensive problems, which they had against Georgia Tech, which they had against a lot of teams on their schedule, uh, definitely bit them. So I, I could see them needing Cade uh, to be able to, to make a play in one of those two games. Obviously, the biggest game on the schedule is actually out of conference. As you look a little bit later in the season, you've got Notre Dame, Miami's also on the schedule. So there's a couple different places where you might need to tap Cade Klubnick to come in there. But I'm uh I'm I'm curious to see how Clemson's offense, you know, they Brandon Streeter has been in the program and you know it's I, I'm not expecting major changes philosophically, but you also have a Clemson team that could probably win the ACC just riding its defense. Like Clemson could just have a bunch of game management, which keeps DJ in the starting lineup. As yeah. long as he doesn't screw it up, um, handing the ball off, making the easy throws, a lot of punting from plus territory, field position type stuff, just let the defense go out there and win it. It's how Clemson looks is going to be something that's going to be fascinating to uh, to keep an eye on for sure. So Cade Klubnik for Danny uh, in the fourth round, which brings it back to me. And I have to stick in the conference of quarterbacks. Wow. Because I'm going to take DJ. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that would be good. <laughs> uh, I A highly rated uh, quarterback on my board. And by the way, it was mentioned in the chat. Is this an inside joke? Like, No, the ACC no. has a lot of really, really good quarterbacks. Like, Five of our 13 picks have been ACC quarterbacks. Give me Malik Cunningham from Louisville. Six of our 14 USOB. That was the top guy left on my board. <laughs> that was the guy I had above Cam Rising, who I thought I was going to be able to get with the last pick. I, I just, I don't 
see how uh, I, I don't see. I accidentally deleted a bunch of uh, stuff in the doc. Okay, there we go. Um, <laughs> Malik Cunningham has been one of the reasons why Louisville, even in some of its losses, has been competitive. He has mm-hmm. been the entire offense. He's been their best rushing op- option. He's clearly been the engine for moving the ball down the field vertically. And he has gone from being a lot of potential and athleticism to being like taking care of the ball better, better completion percentage. Like everything along the way has shown that this has been a player who has progressed and a player who has improved. And I think that as he's going into this season and Scott Satterfield and this entire Louisville program knows that this is like not a year to be middling, not a year to be falling short of expectations. There will be a lot uh, put on Cunningham's plate. There will be a lot of pressure on him to be once again, the center of that offense. But I I think he's a hundred percent able to do that. And we will see him continue to put together those kind of total offense numbers that are going to have people drawing connections to uh, that other great Louisville quarterback who we mentioned as a a high, maybe, I mean, he's not going to win that. I do not think he will win the Heisman trophy, but I do think that even in the conference of quarterbacks, he stands out as undoubtedly uh, in that top tier uh, in the ACC. Also, I wouldn't say he's got pinpoint accuracy, his mobility in the pocket and ability to find himself space and time because of it does allow him to complete more passes downfield than a lot of other guys can because the guys have time to get open as, you know, coverages break down and he's able to get the ball to him and get yards after the catch because of it. So, yeah, he's, to me, he's very much an underappreciated quarterback in the country, and I think that's a freaking steal. And I'm I, It is a good it. pick. I think he could be the quarterback that we're looking for to be like the Kenny Pickett, like breakout. Like the guy started three years, been solid to good, and then all of a sudden, if it all clicks, could be great this year for Louisville. I like that pick a lot. All right, let's call up the board if you're watching along on youtube.com slash cover three or the 24-7 Sports Facebook page. Uh, So Tom has his first round pick was CJ Stroud, Dylan Gabriel in the second, Sam Hartman in the third, Bud took Bryce Young in the first, Hendon Hooker in the second, Brennan Armstrong from Virginia in the third. He is on the clock for his final pick. Uh, I am rounded out with Caleb Williams from USC in the first, Quinn Ewers in the second, Cam Rising from Utah in the third, and Malik Cunningham from Louisville in the fourth. And Danny took Devin Leary in the first from NC State, Tyler Van Dyke from Miami in the second, Blake Shapin from Baylor in the third, and Cade Klubnick from Clemson in the fourth. Coca, you've got Bud's final pick. Who's it going to be? All right. Either Bud is a deadhead or those mushrooms I had on my cheesesteak for lunch came from the wrong package. (laughs) (laughs) Because I must have read his list wrong or something because his last pick is going to be Grayson McCall. I'll defend that. That's That's a great pick. Yeah, that's that's a great pick. That's a very good pick. That was the top guy left on my board. Um, okay, so Grayson McCall has with this uh, Coastal Carolina offense, which drives defensive coordinators crazy. Like he, if somebody wants to take Grayson McCall at the next level and just go full RPO in the NFL, sign me up to mm-hmm. buy Sunday ticket and watch every single one of those games. Might go horribly, but I do think that his him being able to grasp and lead a very innovative offense, especially as he continues, um, he's going to be such a veteran presence that they can put a lot on his plate and he's going to be able to handle it so much more than I think a lot of those Sunbelt defenses are going to be able to keep up with. He's been incredibly efficient and uh, effective, and I don't see any reason for that to slow down as we continue to look ahead to 2022. Yeah, no, I think it's a great pick. He was going to be who I was planning to take. So, (laughs) Bud. Why couldn't he have taken Brendan Armstrong again? Why couldn't he? All right, so, Tom, I know you're not going to take him. So, why why couldn't Bud have taken Will Levis? (laughs) (laughs) How do you know I'm not going to take him? Who who are you going to take, Tom? Let's let's go ahead and get it out there. Then then I'll share the rest of my not pick list. I'm not going to take Will Levis. Um, I was going to take. my plan coming into today was I when, once I saw I had the last pick, I was going to be like, all right, I'm going to take Stetson Bennett just for, you know, the show. 
But this guy, I did not expect to be this far, but I probably should have expected him to drop this far based just on the anti-Big Ten bias of this podcast. I mean, Illinois got three recruits yesterday, and we haven't even mentioned that. They're ranked higher than Alabama in the recruiting rankings. But nobody wants to talk about that. Nick's going to be accusing us of paying players, N-I-L-L. Um, but <laughs> the player I am taking... <laughs> Is a guy who I think kind of, you know, he came on last year. He, didn't, he wasn't the starter all season long, took over the job, played really well, got better as the year went progressed. And I think now having a full offseason as the number one guy, clear cut, he loses one of his biggest weapons. But I think he's got a very good play caller at coach. And I think this is a team that could be one of the dark horses in the conference this year. I'm taking Aiden O'Connell, AOC. Oh, okay. I think that this is a guy who, you know, he's not – he's. He doesn't have the biggest arm as far as pushing the ball down the field, but he's accurate. He's got very good underneath stuff. And like I said, I think Jeff Brom does a really good job of scheming things for his quarterback. So I think he's going to be able to put up numbers. I think he's going to have a pretty decent run game to support him. And I think this is a guy who might throw for 3,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. So to be able to get him with the 16th pick, I think it's a pretty solid choice. Tom's a smart guy. Solid. And other smart, other smart people are... Great. Yeah, other smart people are in on the Aiden O'Connell uh, outlook. I need, I need to wisen up, or or at least I need to you know wait and see what happens because that was that offense was so. Uh, see, here's the thing. Like I know what you're about to say. That offense is just kind of like stodgy looking, right? Yeah. Well, let's let's look at his numbers. In that stodgy offense, he threw for 3,700 yards, 28 touchdowns, while completing 72 percent of his passes. <laughs> like. He doesn't. He only averaged like eight and a half yards per attempt. So he's not a vertical passer. He's not going to push the ball. They rely a lot on yak, and maybe you know losing David Bell might hurt them there. But I think that they've done a pretty good job recruiting and getting guys in who will be able to do that. I just think that that's a team that's going to be able to put up points. That's a it's a very very good pick. Uh, so that rounds you out with C.J. Stroud, Dylan Gabriel, Sam Hartman, and Aiden O'Connell. Okay, with our little bit of time we've got left, so either. Either the be best next up, um, you know, players who stood out who did not end up getting selected or ones that drew your intrigue, um, or we could say why Will Levis, who apparently is the number one quarterback on the NFL draft board. Yep. I, I got to stop being mean to Will Levis. It's just, I don't want to We got to see it throat. again. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of hype for somebody who didn't do a ton. I get the projection, maybe the physical skill set. I remember I talked to Dusty, my guy on the radio, and he called their bowl game and he said that like he was thinking about coming out. And I was like, what? Like to do what? Like, is he going to start law school? Like, I did not think he was going to come out to go to the NFL draft, but apparently his grade came back pretty strong. So like if you start hearing the NFL teams like him, I just think he's going to have to really validate what he did last year with an even better season, which I don't know if that's doable at Kentucky. And the oh, other thing, too, cool. is what's the guy's name who was their offensive coordinator last year? He, he's left. He's taken. He's gone and gone to the Rams. So I feel like a part a lot of a lot of what we saw with Levis last year was the offense. And Wandale. And I, yeah. And Wandale's gone. And I just I still think like I get why NFL scouts like Levis. He's big. He's got a big arm and he's mobile. And those are three things that when it comes to NFL scouts, those are always going to grab your attention because you sit there and think, if we can just harness that, we might have a new Josh Allen on our hands. But I think that Josh Allen is very much the exception to the rule. And I also think that just the way Kentucky has been under Mark Stoops, like it's a more conservative team. He's not going to be dropping back and throwing the ball 35, 40 times a game. He's going to be running a lot. They're going to be running a lot and relying on their defense. So I just, I don't know what kind of numbers he's going to post. So when it comes to like this kind of competition, if like you said, what you said earlier, it's not going to be totally numbers based who wins, who has the best quarterback room, but they're going to count. And I just don't know if Levis is going to have the overall numbers compared to other guys that were available. I got distracted by, I don't know if you heard me, uh, Brady's niece just had a three run jack for UCLA over Oklahoma in the Women's College World Series. Maya Brady, Tom Brady's niece. O Oklahoma bleeds in softball? I didn't think Oklahoma what? bleeds. I do this because I always text Dusty when they're getting beat, like just to harass them a little bit. And like, they're still going to win. Like it's five to one. They'll probably win 15 to five. And it's yeah. like, <laughs> you have your fun and then they'll just come back and destroy you. So we'll see. I got distracted though. Sorry about that. Um, other other names that were on on my board that I, I you know we just didn't end up getting to KJ Jefferson at Arkansas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, Will Rogers. 
Will Rogers at Mississippi State. Holt Nailers. Which one? Holt Nailers at ECU. Not Where on my list. Said? I almost pulled the trigger on Spencer Sanders because when I was going looking at the Big 12 situation, like he's another guy I think could be like a Malik Cunningham. He's been good, not great. He's started a lot of games. He's won a lot of games. Oklahoma State is in the hunt for the Big 12 championship. I just, I've seen a little bit too much inconsistency, but if he puts it together, like Gundy's good with QBs, I could see them, I could see him having a kind of a breakout season. Did any of you have Spencer Rattler on your boards? He was on my no board. And that's not because I don't think he's good. I just, we got to wait. We've got to wait to see it, right? I mean, it's the the pitch, the optimistic pitch I, I think I gave on here earlier is, Spencer Rattler played his best football when Shane Beamer was on the offensive staff at Oklahoma. So if anybody's going to believe in him and if anybody's going to be able to potentially help Spencer Rattler tap into that, I expect it to be Shane Beamer. But I would I rather I would rather go with the unknown of like Cam Ward at Washington right. State coming from the FCS level. Um, what did you have? <laughs> did you have Bo Nix on your no, no go? Bo Nix is a no go. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even consider Bo Nix. I, I, I will say with Spencer Rattler, I wonder, like we talked, we touched on at the top of the show with like Bryce Young, he's going to put up incredible numbers again, but it's not going to be enough in the eyes of the Heisman voters because maybe he doesn't put up better numbers than he already had. I think that with Spencer Rattler, we're kind of like a bizarro version of that where. Because like Bud has talked about, he was the number one quarterback in his class, but it wasn't a great quarterback class. And it kind of overinflated the expectations for what he was going to be. And I wonder if we look at that, and it's like we've, he's failed to live up to these expectations that we might have had for him. So now we kind of downgrade him more than we should. Like I, I think he's probably going to still be pretty good at South Carolina. Maybe he's not going to be a Heisman winner. Maybe he's not going to be a first pick in the draft or a first round pick. But I still think that he's got kind of the talent base where he could be a first three rounds pick and he could be one of the, he might be the best quarterback in the SEC. Who knows? So there's two schools. I, and I totally agree with that. And it feels bad for me to announce my no go list because it sounds like I just despise these people, but it's, it's not the case uh, at all. There are two schools where I think that there are very capable quarterbacks, but even the uncertainty of the competition impacted the way that I grade them um, in terms of my big board. Not that I would have picked them the way the draft fell, but at Notre Dame, where you've got Tyler Buckner and Drew Pine mm -hmm. still battling it out, and then at Michigan, where we've still got Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy, I could see a scenario where the winners of those jobs or the starting quarterbacks for those teams at the end of the season are top 15 top 20 caliber quarterbacks, I just, I wasn't ready to make a call on either Michigan or Notre Dame's quarterbacks. I will say, I, I didn't have either McNamara or McCarthy on my board, but if I knew McCarthy was going to be the starter, I would have drafted him. Mm. Even with the turnover at, at offensive coordinator? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think, I, I don't know, my prediction is that McNamara is going to start the season as their quarterback. I think McCarthy's going to take the job. Texas A&M also has that live competition, but I don't, I don't know if I've got enough of a personal affinity to have pulled any one of those quarterbacks all the way up. Maybe Max Johnson. And then for the two LSU quarterbacks, much love to Jane Daniels and Miles Brennan. I don't think either of them are cracking the top 15 on my personal big board, though clearly either one of them has a ceiling with that team of being able to be pretty productive if everything, if everything clicks right. Any other names that we want to uh, shout out or, or turn our attention to? Yeah, I just want to say you guys are going to rue the day. AT Daniels. You look back on this and you don't take the newest face of Toothman Ford of Grafton, <laughs> the JT Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> and it is kind of ironic considering how like hyped we'd been on JT Daniels the last few years where he doesn't, we're not even considering him now. I will also say Coco, you'll appreciate this. Another Jersey boy, Tommy DeVito. Mm. Going to be playing in a much more friendly offense for quarterbacks than what you saw at Illinois last year. He might put up some numbers that surprise some people. And the mm -hmm. other two names on, on Bud's big board that you guys didn't get to were Tanner McKee and Stanford. Uh, yep. And Anthony Richardson, Bud really That's likes a, McKee. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of and some draft you know boards show him as a first round pick. Richardson, it's an interesting one. 
uh, I talked to, we had Napier on the radio show. He was very bullish. Like, I was like, how's the quarterback battle going in the spring? And he basically came out and he's like, well, he's like, well, Anthony Richardson had a great spring. And I'm like, like, to me, it feels like, and you're hearing a lot of these reports coming out of Gainesville and Anthony Richardson's going to be the guy. After hearing the way Billy Napier talked about him, I was like, oh, yeah, he's, he's he likes him a lot. I also think he played with a quarterback in Levi Lewis, Louisiana, mm-hmm. and won a lot of games with him. So I think he'll tailor an offense that might work really well for Anthony Richardson's skill set. So I think that's why it, it, I, I put him on there for a second. I was like, I cannot take a Miami and a Florida quarterback in my four rounds. <laughs> like, I just can't. But I, I would probably put him – I would probably put him on the no just because the uncertainty. Yeah. You know? but it, it could work. I mean, that's another – if it pops, I will not be surprised. Yeah. We've already seen how, how good it can be. All Week right. one, baby, Utah's coming to the swamp. Your guy, Cam Rising, can he win on the road? Ooh. To review one last time, Tom got C.J. Stroud in the first, Dylan Gabriel in the second, Sam Hartman in third, Purdue's Aiden O'Connell in the fourth round. Bud took Bryce Young, Hendon Hooker, Brennan Armstrong, and Grayson McCall. Chip got Caleb Williams, Quinn Ewers, Cam Rising, and Malik Cunningham. And Danny with Devin Leary, Tyler Van Dyke, Blake Shapin, and Cade Klubnick. What can you look forward to as we continue to build out these rooms and build up our rosters, essentially, more or less, for the 2022 season? Well, on Wednesday, it will be the Pass Catchers Draft. That means wide receivers and tight ends. It's going to be a beefy show, so make sure that you set your calendar and come and hang out with us while we do it live, 10.30 a.m. Eastern time. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Danny Cannell. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.